And you may be thinking, well, I don't, I don't understand what that means that he's alive, and how does that, how does that affect my life? I mean, what do I do because Jesus is alive? How do I live my life? Because you can come here and then understand that Jesus died for you and rose again, you know, and, and came back from the grave, but leave here the same. See, we all love the feeling of being alive. We love that feeling. I've been married for 19 years, and uh, yeah, 19 years, been with my, my wife Heidi for 25 years, 26 years, somewhere around there. It's just so much years. But uh, not everyone has met Heidi, so I'm asking Heidi if she could stand real quick. I just wanted you to meet her, and this is Heidi, and hello. And welcome all those up again in our extended sanctuary. Uh, we've been together for a while, and I thought, Lord, there's no greater joy than what you can do in our lives. We had our, our son when we were teenagers, and when we came to know Christ, it's like our lives came alive. Because you're struggling through that season, and then you understand that, wait a minute, like Jadina said on the video, God has a plan for every single person. We love the feeling of being alive. We were flying back from, west, from the West Coast, and we experienced some turbulence midway. And nowadays when you're flying and you experience a little turbulence, you know, it's not the greatest feeling in the world. It's a little fearful. And so as we're uh, coming in, it was a horrible flight. I mean, it was terrible. It, uh, just all the way through. And finally, when we touched down, everyone applauded. They're just clapping, and, and, and my wife was clapping. Heidi was clapping, and I said, why, are, why is everybody applauding? She said, because we're alive. Because we're alive. We love that feeling. Remember when you got your first job, and you were so excited? And, and maybe you were a teenager when you, when you just started working, and you got your first paycheck. Remember when you got your first paycheck? It was like you just felt so alive. You were thinking, okay, what can I buy? What am I going to spend it on? Now when you receive your paycheck, it's gone. It, you don't even get the money. You see the check or even that. Sometimes it's direct deposit. And then the feeling is gone. You no longer feel alive even though we receive a paycheck. When you're first dating, oh, the sparks were flying. The fire was burning with passion. But then, as you get married, 20 years go by, no longer sparks are flying, darts are flying, and, and the only fire we feel is hot flashes. That's the only heat. And, and as time goes on, we can lose that feeling of being alive. When we as husbands were younger, we had like rock-solid abs. Now we get one solid ab. And that's okay. When our wives were younger, they were hot and beautiful. Now they are just too beautiful for words. <laughs> but everyone wants that feeling of being alive. You know, we all want that. We want that feeling of I matter, I'm important. But did you know that every one of us, are, we're important to God. We are valuable to Him. People matter to God. When you came in, you were given a bulletin, and as you can see, we're continuing in our series that people matter to God. People matter to God so much that He has given us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, that if anyone believes in Him, they shall not perish but have everlasting life. 
Jesus is alive. And because He's alive, He transfers that power to us. That although in our old life, our old lifestyle, we felt dead through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can now come alive. See, sometimes we look out there in the world for things that will bring us to life. We look for things that will make us feel alive, only to find out that it's temporary. And Jesus came to give us an eternal life. That's what He came to do. He came to bring us alive. When you read the story of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you can actually read through it and miss the part in how much we matter to God. You can actually skip over some things are very, that are very important for us to understand. In the book of Matthew, I'll read just a little bit of what was taking place at the cross. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 45, and I'll read. It says, Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness all over the land. And this is when Jesus was on the cross. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, some, some stood there. And then when they heard that, they said that, Oh, this man is calling for Elijah, which was one of the former prophets. Immediately, one of them took... Uh, one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed, and offered it to him to drink. Well, the rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. Well, Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. What that signified was, well, the veil at the temple actually separated the people from the holiness of God. Only the priest could go into the Holy of Holies. But when Christ died on the cross, that, that veil was torn. In other words, what God was saying is, no longer are we separated from Him. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we are now in contact with God one-on-one. -on -one. We don't need the high priest anymore. We don't have to sacrifice animals anymore. That's what they did in the Old Testament. Because sin needed to be paid for. The things that we have done needed payment. And Christ said, I will make that payment once and for all. And I will die for the whole entire human race. And because He died, and, and He died a perfect death, He overcame death. And we're going to see what actually took place. Well, when the veil was torn from top to bottom, the earth quaked and the rocks were split and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the graves after His resurrection. Well, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So not only was God's power during the resurrection only in Christ, but it was so powerful that other people came back to life. Now, it may almost seem like fiction, but that's what happened. That's how powerful God's resurrection power is. It brings people to life. So when the centurion and those with him who were judging Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared God greatly, saying, This truly was the Son of God. Then it continues, On, this, on the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together to Pilate 
saying, Sir, we remember while he was still alive how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise. So now here's the political leaders and the religious leaders getting together, trying to figure out how they are going to hide what is going on or, or to make sure that what Jesus said wouldn't come to pass. And they said, you know what? Therefore, command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, he is risen from the dead. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like that's what could have happened. But Pilate said to them, well, you have a guard. Go make your way. Make it as secure as you know how. In other words, what Pilate was saying to the Roman guards, he said, you know what? If you've never guarded a tomb with your life ever before, today is the day you will guard that tomb with your life. Because if that tomb is empty, we're all done. We're done. And so then they guarded the tomb as best as they knew how. And so they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. So it's not like, you know, you, I think you imagine movies and you see, you know, two guards standing there in front of this big tomb with a rock in front. I don't think it was like that. I'm pretty sure these guys are looking around. They had their swords, maybe had, you know, 10, 15 people, you know, kind of slashing their swords around, making sure that they would fend off anyone who would try to even come close. So they guarded it. But that couldn't stop. God, here we go. Now after the Sabbath... As the first day of the week began to to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door, and he sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And I thought, why didn't the guards, like, take him out? Well, this is what happened. The guards... Shook for fear of him. I mean, you have swords. This guy got lightning. What are you going to do? I don't know what you can do. And became like dead men. Maybe they fainted. Maybe they were just too scared. I don't know. But they were like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said... Come, see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And so they go and tell the disciples that Christ has risen from the dead. They doubt. They don't really think that that's true. But Jesus appears to the disciples. And now what what these two women said, they could now believe. Well, now Jesus is with them, and the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But listen, some doubted. That's what the Bible says. Some doubted. Isn't it amazing that even though you see Christ's work, you you sense his presence, even when we know Christ, we still doubt him. And they doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all these things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, we don't know when the end of the age is. We can't predict when the end times are. 
But what we can be assured of is that He will always be with us all the way through. See, the power of the resurrection causes us to come alive. And when we understand that, we begin to realize that that every one of us can be made alive no matter how dead we feel. And all of us can experience that. But we must make some life-altering, eternal choices in experiencing this life. This morning, we're going to look at three life-changing choices that Jesus offers us today. Did you know that He offers us a thing called grace? That God's amazing grace is given to us? His grace is, is His blessings on our lives that we don't deserve. That's His grace. That He extends His grace. Even though we rebel against Him, even though we disobey Him, even though we don't understand everything about Him, He says, You're, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is enough for you. And He extends that. And when Jesus paid the price at the cross, oh boy, God's amazing grace just was given to humanity. See, you and I will always battle with with God's grace because of what other people will say. Uh, We'll we'll even battle it with ourselves. Like, no, I don't don't deserve that. Some of you are even hesitating coming today because you're saying, no, 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 because the church can burn down. It's not going to burn down. But we hesitate because we don't understand God's grace. Can we, can we, can we make a, a mental note of this? Or if you are taking notes, write this in. To receive God's grace continuously. Receive His grace continuously. You see, we forget about God's grace from time to time, don't we? We forget that His grace is given to us. It's His favor that we don't deserve. He gives us His grace and regardless of who we are, God's grace is for everyone. Everyone. It doesn't matter where we've been, what we've done, what we're doing. His grace is available to every single person. No one greater than the other. God loves us all the same. People matter to God. The Bible puts it this way in the book of Ephesians. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy... Because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And let's read this part together. Ready? Go. By grace you have been saved. Yeah, we forget that. We forget that it's God's grace that saves us. We forget from time to time that God gives us His grace because we matter to Him. You know, being alive in the Lord is far greater than having temporary things that make us feel good. The grace that He gives us is amazing. And when we think of the things that we keep so that we feel alive, and all these things that we try to fill our lives with, we think, oh, that's what makes me feel alive, or this person makes me feel alive and we try to turn to all these things to make us feel alive, we're going to learn very quickly that it's not those things that keep us alive. It's only temporary. Because when that thing runs out of that newness, you kind of move on and you move on and you move on. Not until we come into a relationship with the only one who can bring us to life 
in our very own souls will we begin to understand that it's not in things. It's okay to have things, but that's not what brings us to life. When God extended His grace to us, it gave us the opportunity to receive His grace. But it must be continuously, lest we forget. See, everyone is looking for a Savior. Everyone is looking for a Savior. And sometimes they look all over the place. We look in other places rather than Jesus Christ. And we try everything only to come back to Jesus Christ. Everyone is looking for a Savior. When you first get your, you know, like your electricity bill, your electric bill, you open that up and you're thinking, I need a Savior. Somebody needs to pay this. You open up your mobile phone bill, your cell phone bill, or your internet bill, and you're looking at it and you're thinking, I need a Savior. You're at your job and people are irritating you. You're thinking, somebody save me. Everyone's looking for a Savior. My son, he's uh, 20, he's going to be 23 this year, but I remember when he was just a little kid and he did something wrong. He disobeyed mommy and daddy. And we had to give him spanking. And I remember bringing him into the room and I said, here's why you're going to get a spanking. And he said, but I don't want to. I said, you, you disobeyed. So here's the discipline. And, and so turn around. I'll give you one spanking and then you're done. I don't want to. I said, just one spanking. It's going to be quick. Just real quick. I'll do it really fast. I'll just kind of give a little. And then you're done. And he said, oh, I don't want it. It's going to hurt. I said, yep, it will. But you, you, you got to get spanking. You did wrong. And so he stands there. And I said, just turn around real quick. I'll give you a swat. He turns around. He's like oh, clenched up. And right before I spank him, he puts his hands there. I'm like, don't you dare put your hands there. Move your hands. But he's going to hurt. I said, move your hands now. I don't want to. I said, move your hands or I'll give you 15 spankings. I don't want to. I don't want to. I said, move your And I'm trying to spank him. He's trying to block. By then I said, you know, I can spank your legs. Your legs have meat on it. I can spank your knee, legs, kneecaps, ankles. I can go for anything. And I'm trying to spank him. He's like, no. By then he's on the floor. Kind of borderline child abuse. And so I'm spanked, trying, to, I'm trying to find, you know, the place where there's much meat. Sorry I'm doing that, but it's, it's somewhere there. And so I'm trying to spank him. He's on the floor. And, and finally he says this, uh, uh, God, God, help me, God. Really? You're, you're crying out to God? Hold on one minute. I'll be right back. I grabbed the Bible. And I looked for the scripture and I said, okay, here's what God is saying. <laughs> it says right here, in the book of Proverbs, it said, uh, spoil the rod, spare the child. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. <laughs> well, it means that when I don't spank you, then I spoil you. <laughs> I caught a cramp from that. I said, you know, God says to do this. Yeah, everyone is looking for a Savior. We all look for a Savior. Even in our most distressed times, we're looking for Christ. But very few of us find a Savior. See, Jesus Christ is the Savior. He has risen from the grave. Death could not stop Him. That tells me He can overcome anything. But we need to connect with God, operate in His grace, but continuously do that. Otherwise, we'll forget. 
We'll forget that God's grace is freely given to us. See, when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, that was God's grace and love and mercy shown to us in human form. That now we could understand, wait a minute, because of God's grace, I have a life that I can live. That you do have a plan for me. Now, I know we might be thinking, okay, I understand God's grace, but what if I make mistakes? What if, what if, what if I, uh, what if, can, now, can I, can I just uh, receive God's grace continuously, but still do the old things I used to, that God's not pleased with? Well, you're going to have a difficult time doing that. See, we're going to have to choose our lifestyle. We're going to have to choose that. We're going to have to choose between the old life that was against God, or the things that are not pleasing to God, toward the things that are pleasing to God. And it's not the easiest change. That's why we need His power. We're going to make mistakes in that transformation. But I, I must decide what lifestyle I'm going to live. i got to decide that. Number two, if you're taking notes, you can write that in right there. That I will need to choose my lifestyle. It's a choice that I make. I must choose my lifestyle. We have so many options today. I mean, you go to the restaurants, you have so many options. You go to buy a new car, you have so many options. You just want a phone that you can call people, and you have all these options. You want uh, text messaging, limited text messaging. You want, uh, you want uh, internet access. You want 3G. Uh, you want uh, Wi-Fi. You want mobile Wi-Fi. I'm like, I like call somebody on the phone. That's what I like to do. But there's so many options, and we don't know what to do. And you know what actually happens? It, it, it seeps into our life, into our lifestyle, and we think there's so many options out there how to live. Uh, should I stay single? Should I get married? Uh, do we have children? Should we not have children? Do we adopt? Uh, do we move in together? Do we live separate? Uh, do, do I get this job or that job? Uh, uh, should, I, should I pay my taxes on time, or should I wait and get an extension? Should I, um, should I cheat on my taxes, or, or pay them fully? What should I do? Uh, should I make money legally, or should I make money illegally? And we go through all these thoughts. And it's like there's so many options, and, and we're thinking, well, should I, should I obey God, or should I disobey God? Should I attend church, or should I go beach? Yeah, I know we know the answer. But we think there's so many options out there. And, and life has created that option mentality for us where there's so many options out there that when it comes to God, we're confused. You know what is interesting about God and His Word? He makes it very simple. And He says it like this in the book of Deuteronomy. He says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you, here it is, life and death. Two things, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying His voice, and by holding fast to Him. For this is your life and the length of your days that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Yeah, God gives us a choice between life and death. Death is just empty, dead. There's no life to it. It's dry and empty, void. But when he says life, he's talking about what these flowers represent when they bloom, like during springtime. That's what that word means. 
It's, it's, it's when things come to life. It's like water. That water, water is alive. It's, 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 it moves. It does something. It brings plants to life. It's not dead. It's alive. And he says, this is the kind of life I want to give to you. Where it's flourishing. Not the kind of life that you just exist and it's dead. And then you try and fill it up with things. He says, you got to choose. Choices are hard to make. But still, no matter how difficult, we still must choose life. It's the best way to live. Hard to choose when you're stuck. Trying to make a decision when everything else sounds good. Some of you may have been at our uh, the Oahu Swap Meet, you know, at Aloha Stadium. Well, when I was a teenager, I've never been there. But we wanted to buy a brand new bike for my little brother for Christmas. And so while we we're there, my sister April said, okay, now when we go there, you don't have to pay like full price. I said, what do you mean? She goes, yeah, like you can, you can work deals with them. I said, really? She said, yeah. But, but you got you to gotta, you gotta kind of work it. You can't just, you know, just state your price and that's it. So I said, oh, okay. Well, I guess the guy knew that I was a rookie because he kind of played me up. And, but my sister was there. And so we were looking around and, and we found this one bike. Perfect. And, I, and so I asked, I said, hey, excuse me, um, how, much, how much is this bike? And they never give you the price like straight up. He's like, I said, oh, how much is this bike right here? This bike normally two fifty, and I said, "Really?" But for you today, eighty-five dollar. And I said, "April, eighty-five dollars for a bike that's two fifty. She said, "No, no, 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 no. Offer him sixty dollars." I said, "Okay, okay. Uh, excuse me. Uh, what about sixty dollars? This bike normally two fifty. It's normally two fifty, but come on, sixty dollars." $60. You're offering $60. He's giving it to us for $75. We're saving money. She says, nope. Tell him $60 cash. Okay, yeah, cash. Um, excuse me. What about $60 cash? $60 cash. We only do cash. That no deal. I said, it's not a deal. He only take cash. And then, and then she said, she said, you know what? Tell him $60 is your final offer. I said, oh, yeah, that's good. Uh, excuse me, $60, final offer. Hold on, honey, this boy want to buy the bike for only $60. It's a $75 bike, normally $250. What do you think? Okay, I tell you what. Normally, this bike $250, but since you're such a good-looking boy, I give you this bike for $75. And I throw in a handlebar bag for you. You can put the candy, you can put the radio, you can put the extra slipper, you can even put your extra beach attire. I said, April, $75 and the fanny pack. Come on. And she said, nope, $60. That's it. I said, oh, come on. What did I tell him? She said, tell him you only have $60. I said, oh, that's good. <laughs> I only got $60. <laughs> Nobody come to the swap meet with only $60. I said, yeah, what are we going to do? And then he throws on the pressure. 
You can choose today a good choice. But it's up to you what you make deal. You can stand over here all day. But I tell you what, you walk away, you're not going to sleep good tonight. You're going to toss and turn all night long. Last week, I sell same bike, $85, no fanny pack. The customer sleeping like a baby. And I'm like standing there, and I'm like, okay, I'll buy it for $75 with the fanny pack. And I was like, man, it's, you got to choose sometime. You can't keep debating. There must, at one time or another, come a choice. It's no different with God. We can debate with God all day, but He says, listen, it's simple. Life and death. Choose life that you may live, you and your descendants. You know what I learned from this? Because I, I thought, well, what if, what if I just live like, like I just attend church, but can I keep my old lifestyle? And this is what I understood about God's grace. And I'll, I'll try and illustrate it in this way. This is, this is our life when we come to Christ. It's, it's filled with worldly things, and it's, it's kind of dirty. You know, we have like a life that, I don't know if you can see this, but it's It's tainted. We've done things that were not right with God. And so we feel dirty. But God says, my grace is sufficient for you. That if you confess your sins to me, I will be faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And I thought, okay, but here's my life. What do I do? And he says, well, this is my grace because I am pure. This is my grace. And he says, all you need to do is receive my grace you got to make a choice, though. You can either live for me or live for yourself. But this is what will happen. The more I stay according to the ways of God and His grace, the cleaner my life becomes. Will it change overnight? Nope. But I tell you what, it'll look a whole lot better with Christ than what I did without Christ. That's the grace of God. And, and, and then I thought, okay, so what if, I, what, if, what if as you're pouring, because my life is clean... I can do the old things again. Because now I feel better. Oh, my relationship is better since I came to church. So no sense come. I am doing a whole lot better. And then I start to go back into my old ways. And that's how I used to think. I thought God's grace was so that I can do bad stuff. I figure, ah, sin on Saturday, repent on Sunday. And I went through that cycle and I thought, that's why church exists. It's so that I can do whatever I want during the week, and then God loves me on Sunday. But he says, no, 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 no. That's not, that's not life. That's dumb. And so he said, no, let's, just let me cleanse you. That's all. Just w- w- As we go, I'm going to change you from the inside out. When you make your mistakes, I'll still be there for you. When you fall, when you crash and burn, I will still love you. Even when times seem difficult. I will love you no matter what. And the more he pours, the more we understand that he's given us true life. We're not going to find it any other place than with God. Through his son, Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus is alive. He's the river of life. He's the true water. He's the one that gives us a source for living. But I got to choose my lifestyle. I got to choose See, something that helps us on, on a practical side is I just got to let people know. I got to let God know 
I got to let the devil know where I stand. And I just make that decision. No, this is where I stand with you, God. This is the choice that I'm making. And our last point, number three, decide once and for all where I stand with the Lord. Once and for all. Where do I stand with you, God? Because I, I, I want to make it clear with you, God, that I, I want the life that you promised to me. Yep, I'm going to have to change some things, but you're going to give me the power to do so. And you're going to help me through. You're going to surround me with good people that help me to become better and better in who you see me to be. But I, 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 I must decide once and for all where I stand with the Lord. Will we make mistakes? Absolutely. But He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not so that we go back to our old ways, so that we continue in the future and hope that He's given to us. So that we can make wiser decisions. You know, even when Jesus was walking this life on this earth, there are many people who still received their own wisdom, like they, they did things on their own. Even His disciples at one point. Jesus had more than 12 disciples. But it came, it came to a place in life where many of them left him because they, they, was, they were not willing to continue to move forward to understand God's perfect plan for their lives. And the Bible says it like this in John 6, verses 66 through 69. It says, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, whom shall we go? Uh, whom shall we go? Whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe you and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. You know, Peter didn't make that decision right then on the spot when Christ asked that. He made that decision long ago. He made a decision where he was going to stand with Christ. But even still, did not Peter deny Christ? He still walked away from Christ. But it's when he made that decision to say, there's no place to go. That when he did stumble and fall, he knew right where to go back to. He knew exactly that Christ would receive him. Because of his grace. And Peter made that decision. He said, you know what? I'm making this decision before I even understand everything. That I'm standing with you, Lord. And when I let the Lord know where I stand, He gives me nourishment for my soul. And what's even better, or just as good, is when I let the devil know where I stand. He doesn't, he doesn't bother me as much. He doesn't tempt me as much. You know, I could be at a party and people can be, uh, you know, drinking and getting drunk. And, and nobody comes up to me and says, Hey, pastor, so are you like one sip? You like one, you like one, you like one, you like one sip of my beer? Nobody comes to me like that. Sometimes they'll play around, but nobody does that. I used to drink. Nobody comes up to me and, and, and they're smoking and say, Hey, so what, Pastor, you like one hit? <laughs> but believe it or not, before, people used to. It's like when I let the Lord know where I stand, where I let the devil know where I stand, it, it doesn't come at me as much. Because God gives us that protection. He helps us along the way. You see, to change our lifestyle is not the easiest thing. You know what's harder than that, though? Dying and being raised to life. But that power is given to us to overcome even the worst addictions, pain and suffering, loneliness and loss. 
He's able to do that. See, He's able to provide nourishment for our souls. Like how we need food for our bodies, we need His Spirit for our soul, for our spirit. The other week, uh, one of our congregants won a shopping spree. And you might have seen it in the paper, but he had a shopping spree of, of $1,000. And he had 20 minutes to fill up his carts to get, you know, whatever he could. And he made that mark. But it was amazing when they had the countdown, you know, three, two, one, go. And he's just pushing his cart, kind of looking. Because he already scouted the place. And he's walking and everybody's like, run, run. And I'm thinking, seriously, you're going to like shop? But there was more than enough time. So he's walking around and he's, he's finding all these things. He passes the spam and Vienna sausage. And everybody in the store is like, brother, the spam is dead way. Where are you going? The spam is the auto way. The Vienna sausage is, is aisle nine. Where are you going? And no, nope, went to the meats. And I thought, that is a smart man right there. Smart man. Actually, it was his wife, you know, directing him. But smart man, smart man. Loaded up with all the meats, all the expensive things first. And as he's going through, you know, people are saying, Hey, grab me on two pesos. You know, people are just along the way. And, I, and after that was done, I thought to myself, You really know what's important to people when they shop. You really do. You see, if you're starving for food and you go to the supermarket, you're not going to buy magazines. You're not going to buy birthday cards. You're not going to buy flowers. If you're starving, you're going to go in there and buy food. You're going to buy food. When you're starving spiritually, don't look for things in the world that will only give you a temporary life. God gives us eternal life because He's given us Jesus Christ who is alive and well for all of eternity. On our own, our marriages and relationships are dead. But with Christ, it is alive. On our own, our dreams and hopes are dead, forgotten. But with Christ, it is alive. See, our very own life, on our own, dead, empty, and void. But with Jesus Christ, it is alive. It is alive. 2 Corinthians 5.17 puts it this way. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. For many of us, even though we know Christ, it's a brand new day. A new life has begun. For those that don't know Jesus Christ, I pray that you would offer that ex- or you would give your life to Christ in that beautiful exchange. His life for our dead ones. He'll do that because He is alive. Amen. You put away your, your notes and your Bibles. You know, when we were little, and I, I said this story before, my great-grandmother would... She would be the, you know, the, the spiritual leader in our, I guess, our, our clan, our household, in our family. And she would always pray before the meals and pray at parties and things. But there were times where, you know, we would just be playing and, you know, we'd run through her house and then she would catch us and then she'd say, let me pray for you. 
you know, Filipino woman, and let me pray for you. And so she would gather us around, and, and we would hate it. We'd just stand there and look at each other like, hurry up, grandma, come on. And then she'd pray over us, and then we'd go outside and play. But this one day, she caught me. You know, and she prayed for me, told me about Jesus Christ, that, you know, Jesus love you. And, and, I, and I was thinking, okay. And in my mind, I was thinking, I don't care. I really don't. Can we go play? That's what was going on in my mind. My grandfather would always say the same thing every year. You know, they would attend church, but then Easter, they would get dressed up and and go to church. And then when they would come back home, my grandma would be saying, you know, Jesus is alive. He's alive. And I'm thinking, okay, he's alive. What does that matter to me? And my grandfather would always say, you know, I see the sign says, Jesus coming soon. He don't come back yet. And so we're, 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 we're growing up in this kind of environment. And, and maybe about, uh, maybe, maybe 10 years or so ago, my, my grandmother wasn't feeling well and she was uh, ill. And, and I was living here because I grew up on Oahu. And, and so my sister April called me and she said, hey, you know, grandma's not doing good. So I don't know how much longer, you know, she's going to last. So you may want to come down. And so I flew down there and... And then I remember walking into her, her room and, and boy, she's just lying there. And I remember the, the doctors were in there and, and I said, Is, can, can she talk? And they said, no, she, she kind of goes in and out. I said, can she hear me? They said, well, sometimes and sometimes not. I said, oh, okay. And then they left the room and it was just me and my grandmother. And and. I sat next to her bed and, and she's lying there and then I just talked with her and I, I just said, you know, Grandma, I don't know if you can hear me, but um, I just want to thank you. Thank you for praying for us, believing in us, and being strong for us. And I said, you know, all my life you would tell me about Jesus, but it didn't matter. I didn't understand. Then I leaned into her and I, I, I said, but Grandma, I received Jesus. I understand. So thank you. And a tear rolled down her cheek. What that tear represented to me was like she was dying, but she's never felt more alive before at that one moment. And I said, Lord, only you can do something like that. And here's the amazing thing. Because of what Christ has done on the cross, because of his resurrection power, I will see her again fully alive would you bow your heads with me and we'll just close in prayer Lord you've given us not just your grace but your unconditional love you've also allowed us to live a life 
that we could never dream of. But we're the ones that need to make that choice. Lord, there's some here this morning that has, they have never made that decision to follow you, to give you their lives. And I pray right now that, that as we close in prayer and that just this moment between you and them, that something would be stirring in their hearts and that they would understand that you came to bring us life, that you've overcome the cross and the grave so that we could come alive. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, well, I don't, I don't have that life with God, I, I'm far from it. Well, I'm going to say a prayer and you can say it, meaning with all your heart, repeat after me. It's a prayer that you're going to exchange your life for a new one. And here's the prayer. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Make me brand new. Make me into the person that you see me to be. I thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for your resurrection power. I believe in you. And I thank you for eternal life. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and eyes closed, I just want to pray for those that just said yes to Jesus Christ. I want to pray for you. Could you just lift a hand real quick? Nobody's looking around. Just hold your hands up. Good. Right there on the side. Right here up in the front. Back there. Good. Anybody else? You're saying yes. Right there. One. There's another right here up front. Up here. There's a bunch in the middle. God sees your hands. Over here. God sees your hands. Back there. God sees your hands. He sees your hands on this side. Here. Sees your hands. This little baby right here. God sees your hand. God sees your hands. And Lord, you see all these hearts, their hands, their new life, their future. You can put your hands down. Lord, thank you for being a God of grace. A God who forgives. A God who brings us to life. We come alive because Jesus is alive. In your precious name we pray, we all said, Amen.